Welcome to the C Word, the Conservatives podcast. Today we're talking about job interviews. I'm Jenny Mathiasen, an objects conservator based in Carmarthenshire. And I'm Chloe Rumsey, an objects conservator based in Manchester. Hey guys. Hi. Welcome back to this. But which season even is this? Is this 13? 12. 12? Oh my God. Okay, so the unlucky season is next season. That's good to know. <laughs> Somehow it's already September. Yep. I don't understand Same how, about it. but that's happened. You'd be fine. And, don't uh, think about it. People are eating mince pies. It's insane. Are you sure that's not just because that's the only available food left <laughs> after all the other food is gone? Um, As far as I know, but people might still be eating through their Christmas cake because that's the thing that... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how we're going to get through the apocalypse, right? I think so. Christmas cake. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. Sorry to have made dark jokes already, people. Um, <laughs> actually, today we're talking about job interviews. Welcome to season 12. <laughs> <laughs> actually, today we're going to try to talk about job interviews. Uh, and uh, to do that, we have a special guest host with us. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so I'm Beth Gillians, and I'm a textile conservator, emerging professional based in Manchester. Welcome, Beth. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so I'm sitting next to Beth. Mm. We are snuggled up. Properly. We are snuggled yeah. up. Yes. I've just realised that we haven't discussed whether you want to say where you work because it joins in on the hilariously obvious where do I work. I was thinking about this before because the obvious thing that we will have to mention is that, or we don't have to, but is the more interesting thing is that you interviewed me. Yes. We'll do that. that we're yeah. colleagues, but yeah. maybe. We're so, colleague Beth at <laughs> our mysterious institution that nobody knows. Of course. <laughs> Really unspecific really work unspecific. that we did. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Large textile conservation studio in Manchester. <laughs> We're so anonymous. We're keeping it so cool, guys. So cool. It's fine. <laughs> yes, excellent. You two are colleagues. That is lovely. And I interviewed Beth about a year and two months ago. Ooh. Is that right? Jul- end of July 2021. Mm. We were still wearing masks, but not for the interview proper. Okay. And it was for a short-term contract. Was this one of your first interview experiences? Being the one interviewing, I'm looking at Chloe, or had you done loads of interviewing before? I had interviewed once before. Okay. Uh, I interviewed two people before. Okay, gotcha. So what's your experience of interviewing? I have done a couple of interviews. They have been for project work mainly. And Mm -hmm. let's see what else. Uh, Oh, and when I had an apprentice back at a previous job (gasps) Ah, as well. So uh, those are the sorts of sets of interviews I've done. So yeah, I guess I've done... Uh, maybe three lots then yeah in total okay so yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. you're up on me then you're you're an expert uh, i am very much not but <laughs> <laughs> it was very interesting seeing how interviewing works in a larger organization because at the time i worked for mm. a local authority so there were a lot of like you have to go in this training course and here's all this material you should read beforehand and that's someone else sort of put us put together the job ad and stuff but the sort of here's the vetting process and all of the things that we're going to do when the applications have come in mm-hmm. that was interesting to learn about and we did like a scoring matrix of some sort that was the one that was used yeah. in the council so it was like candidates had to sort of hit certain not buzzwords because that's not right but like they had to mention certain things so that we could score them on certain topics and we had to design the questions to hit those sorts of broad Mm. areas that we needed to prove that they could do 
basically a lot of sweating about how do yeah. we phrase this question so it's not too on the nose and but they can still say the thing that we really need to hear about we've already landed on the first thing that i wanted to talk about about them which is the mystery of them on the other side like how do they actually work yeah because it is often a numbers game yeah and you can be the loveliest person in the world but if you don't say the words health and safety or if they've asked you about how to i don't know work with others and you don't talk about communication you talk about something else then that can't be graded yeah if you see what i mean so it's usually like a one to five and for each each answer you tend to get a number i suppose between one to five yeah and i don't know if that's like just sort of standard recruitment practice or if that's just how it works when you're in the sort of institutions that you and i have been in or i i don't know if it's how it works everywhere is what i'm saying it's been my experience that this is how it works mm-hmm. is it's what we use and we my institution tends to well use the sort of best working practice of larger institutions as a model to keep things proper basically so yeah you just you have is it five to six questions oh i feel like we had maybe more than that uh but i can't remember exactly it was more than it needed to hit all the major criteria so it's based at least ours were really based rigidly on the job description because it was like, well, you've put mm-hmm. these things in the job description. You now have to ask all about uh, about all of them. Yeah, yeah, same. You know, in the end, there's a bit of free form bit where it's like, is there anything else that you would like to tell us? Is there anything you would like to ask, ask us and that sort of thing? I hate that. Like, what do you mm. say to that? The cheat is that one. You Google it. <laughs> For my last interview, I thought I never have questions, or rather I have questions and then everyone answers your questions during the interview. And then you sit there in the e- at the end and you think, I don't have any questions, panic. And I look really unprofessional now. <laughs> and so I Googled for good interview questions. Ah. And actually there are some brilliant things out there that are really useful oh. for how you would think about how you would phrase things even through the interview. Oh, I love that. Or what I'm trying to look at. So do you feel like you have a favourite that you came across? I mean, not to put you on the spot, I realise you might not remember them now, but... I really liked asking them about their favourite thing about their job. Oh, that is a good one. I like that. Because obviously their job as someone above you is likely to be different than yours, but then that's potentially a workplace culture question. Yeah. It's a bit hidden or... It gives them room to go in different directions with that. One that I have used in the past has been, what does the ideal candidate look like to you? Like, what? who is that person yeah. to you? Because if they then answer something that I'm not, like, oh, we want someone very polished who can, <laughs> I don't know, suck up to all the big wigs, then I'm like, okay, well, this is not for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I like it as a way of measuring what the uh, actual what the actual workplace might be like or what they perceive it to be like, which I quite like. Mm, I'm always too terrified to ask questions. Oh, and oh really? Oh. Yeah. I'm always like, I am not going to make this any worse oh. than it already was, you know? <laughs> but when I was interviewing on one of the occasions, one of the questions that we were asked, so the question that we asked this person was, Along the lines of how do you like protest or campaign in your life? Mm-hmm. What do you do kind of thing? And this person gave a good answer of the ways that they work with other people and things like that. And their question at the end was, how would you answer that question? 
because yeah it was a challenging question that we Mm. asked them and we asked it because as you said it was on the job description Mm. that people would sort of be be it sort of campaign minded I suppose or social justice minded so though it was a conservation position and you know it's the hand skills and everything that is the primary thing because it's part of our organization we did ask it that was one of the things that afterwards we were like I love that this person turned it back on us and said all right what do you do what is it that you do in your life I like it that's Um, great yeah so shout out to that person (laughs) shout out to that person you were great yeah honestly great I also think that I sympathize so hard with people who are being interviewed because I'm rubbish at interviews I I hate being interviewed (laughs) like in terms of like for a job it's just like this is the worst (laughs) so I I completely understand when they look nervous and stuff and I'm like I just want to get really inappropriate and offer them another cup of tea and like touch their arm and go it's okay (laughs) I'm not that scary (laughs) shall we acknowledge at this point that interviews are the very worst i mean definitely all social situations and you don't know what the boxes are you don't know what the the boxes are but you don't know what to tick no exactly but we can talk about people having the questions in advance which i think is a definite thing yes you don't know what to tick you don't know what they're after but you know they're after something Mm. you don't know these people so they're strangers I mean, I don't know how many telephone interviews people do in conservation, really. But then you've got the telephone situation that people often don't like. Online. Online. Mm, And then you've got all of that social anxiety. But does that actually outweigh the anxiety of getting to the place on time? And can you find the lose? And have you spilt your lunch on yourself prior? Do you have anything in your teeth? And finding the right room or talking to all the other awkward people that you need to navigate to find the interview. <laughs> Is there a huge crash on the M6 and you can't get there on time? The train's cancelled. Or, or worst, you've been given the first interview of the day, which means you have to have an overnight stay or leave your house at four o'clock in the morning to get to the thing. <laughs> and then you start off all confused and tired and you've got a stomachache anyway because you're nervous. It's just... The worst. At least you get it over early. At least you get it over early. So then you get to spend the rest of the day stressing about it. You get and exhausted for some reason because they are the most tiring things that ever happen to you. And this is only, sorry if you've got an interview coming up, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) They're fine. They're really good. You'll have a great time. Uh, This is only if it's the standard like hour and a half, 45 minutes to hour and a half interview situation. Mm. I think all that said, though, the best thing that I do before one is try and take a minute of grounding or whatever you do to just remind yourself that ultimately it's conversation with people who are interested in conservation Mm. about what you are interested in. Yeah, None of us go into this because we are not people like we are people that love this. This isn't big money. None of us are going into it for other reasons. You are going to meet some probably quite nice people <laughs> and talk about something you both love. You're completely right. And actually, we did ask this on Twitter. Uh, we did ask a while ago now, how do you deal with nerves ahead of a job interview? So the one that you said, Beth, oh. is really, really great. Mm. Other people have said meditation and breathing are great in many situations. Imagine your tiny part in the enormous world and then let it go. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what that reminds me one of my friends sent me um like a a tweet the other day and it was something along the lines of 
just remember that you are a tiny being clinging onto a big rock that's actually really small and that's just hurtling through the universe. So in actual fact, you're not eating too much cheese. And <laughs> yes, and that's that's the that's what you need to channel for a job interview. It's like in the cosmic sense, this doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, Jane says, tell yourself that you must be qualified for the job if you have an interview. So that is okay. Oh. The interview is a chance to sort competent from best. So you might as well go for it as bland won't mm-hmm. get it. <laughs> All right. So go, go big or go home is Jane's thing. I like that. Yeah. I like that. There's something in confidence about that, isn't there? Well, yes. So. Yes. No, exactly. Taking ownership of the not blandness. Yes. Yeah. Because that's the thing on the other side of the table. What you will remember is that... Yeah. Someone has this really weird hobby that you've never heard of. <laughs> no, truly. Yeah. Or... <laughs> I mean, that was my mum's really not very helpful interview advice was always wear one specific piece of memorable clothing. Yeah. It's it's whatever like it that. is to be memorable as a, they will, your name will take something in their heads. I would yeah. take that one further and say other than it being memorable, if it's something that gives you confidence, that is better. Yes. So if it's like your special stompy boots that you just know will make you feel top of the world, then wear the stompy boots. This is why I always wear heels. Ooh. Confidence heels? Confidence heels that make a good, specifically ones that make a good noise. Ooh, I like it. They have to make a good noise. Because I don't know, I'm quite short and I wear flat boots a lot in my normal life. And so heels, I tend to only wear when I'm going to a fancy restaurant, <laughs> interviews, or when I'm dancing. And I'm a very different person when I dance. Mm, yes, I and can see that. that yeah. person tends to be a little bit more there. out there, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. It's painting on the face, isn't it? it that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly it. I made myself a jazzy uh, face mask for the interview here. Oh, which yes, you did. <laughs> Dates when I did my interview yes. here beautifully. Hi, COVID. <laughs> Love it. That's excellent. I like it. Uh, Jessica says the usual prep on the role and place of work. Then I go through my own work experience history and work out what skills each job covered. So I feel confident that I've got examples for each interview topic. So good prep, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And then Amanda says, I'm pretending I'm already hired and the discussion we're having is just a planning meeting. It calms my nerves <laughs> and helps me not act awkward. I love it. Uh, Jen says, I'm usually played by the assumption that I'm terrible, but I breathe deep and try to learn as much about the role and organization as possible, especially its priorities. When told, look at the panel who's interviewing. If they have interest fields or published work relating to the role, that helps. Ooh, so sleuthing on the people that are interviewing you. I feel like most of the time you're not told who's going to interview you. I No. I don't feel I, like that's... I think all of mine I have oh, been, good. Actually. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay, good. I think so. And I've variously done research on people. I think it's whatever calms you, though, as well, yeah. because I've definitely made myself more stressed by obsessively looking at people's LinkedIn mm. profiles. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's also not maybe not great. So if it if that sort of thing is more sort of sends you down a rabbit hole rather than actually focuses you, then maybe leave that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mandy says deep breathing or mindfulness meditation. Uh, getting extra air into my lungs helps clear my mind and give clarity of thought. Uh, Louisa says prepare as much as possible. Check out the collection again if you're not too familiar with it. Read up on the collections ooh, like policies. And I'm like, ooh, I, yeah. I feel like often we can't find the policies if it's not our organization. But that, no, fair shout but knowing if you can. what sort of thing is in the collection is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Like what, even what age a lot of the stuff is. You know? Although now I would say that this 
will depend so much on whether an institution has digitized their collections or in any mm. way actually represent on their website what their collection actually is. Because a lot of the time it's like, we're a local history museum, we have a bit of everything. And then it's like, what, what, what does that mean? We can't tell mm. you because we don't have anything digitized. Okay, great. Because we don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to work with. Um, <laughs> so it depends. But yeah, bigger institutions is definitely an, an option. Uh, if possible, find out the organizational structure and governance model. Ooh, check you out, Louisa. Oh, God. Oh. That would stress me out. Stop a day beforehand and do things to settle you. Oh, she also says she gets horrendously nervous. So that's fair enough. I tend to drive for hundreds of miles (laughs) (laughs) just before an interview. Yeah. Uh, Does that settle you, Chloe? No, it does not. Uh, Louise also says, if going for a job internally, prep and practice beforehand as though no one knows you. Uh, only the person who gives the best marked answer overall will get offered the job. Yes, here we are again mm. with the, how it mm. works. Fiona says, preparing as much as possible in a non-stressful and diverting way. <laughs> uh, like finding out more about the collections again. Yeah. Reading non-essential related things. Oh, so getting a feel for the organization, not necessarily focusing on the bit mm. that's your bit if that's not appealing whatever film tv or complicated cooking or long walks that can distract you sufficiently i like it <laughs> jessica says remember that the interview is not only them assessing you but you making sure the place people and work are right for you and your needs oh i cannot agree more jessica because it is a two-way interview that's always the case and i know that we're all invested and we'll have bills to pay but sometimes you just get a vibe from a place don't you where it's like yeah i sort of hope they don't pick me because actually i don't think this is very good at all <laughs> but that's part of the what you can get from them as well isn't it what what they can do for you yeah absolutely and though often the question uh why did you apply for this job is (laughs) because it was one of two conservation jobs out in the last six months and the other one was wildly specialized in paintings conservation or something (laughs) Anisha says, uh, agree with the reply so far, would add that having someone outside the field ask you interview questions is helpful. I'm surprised by basic questions I don't mm-hmm. feel prepared for. Ooh, and interview panels mm. usually include non-conservatives. See, this is the thing. Like, I feel like yeah. usually there will be an HR person or someone else that's adjacent in the organization, but isn't necessarily going to be your line manager type thing or part of your team Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. is good to know about yeah sometimes they're not actually part of the organization they might be hired in as sort of a neutral person from outside as well so that's interesting to think about lucy says prep your notes and take them with you ask at the beginning of the interview if you can have them next to you or if not to look at them at the end when they're asking you any questions in case you've forgotten anything oh bring notes that's actually a really cute idea that i haven't considered i love notes (laughs) But you have bought your portfolio, which I yes. feel like almost does that same job. So in order to expand the use of your portfolio, which if you were to have like a page of notes on the organization specifically within your portfolio, mm. things to ask or things you're interested in. I mean, we have definitely covered this in the portfolio episode, but I'm quite bad at oh, yeah. doing my portfolio or like using my portfolio efficiently. <laughs> Okay, we only have one more reply and that's Mark saying that nervousness is just unused energy. So use that energy wisely. Being nervous is a good thing and you can embrace it. Uh, so I <laughs> sort of like the attempt at channeling uh, nervousness. It's quite sweet. Uh, yeah, I mm, I think you can do. 
divert the energy, but I don't agree that it's the same thing. <laughs> it, this is yeah, <laughs> this is something when rant. people are like, oh, oh fear is fear just is excitement. Just excitement. No, no, it's no, it not. isn't. <sighs> fear is fear. I'm not yeah. excited about being 200 foot in the air. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's not. I've never done an interview 200 foot in the air. It's not relevant, but you know of. Yes. I personally just ride out the anxiety. It's hard staying calm. Just accepting that you're anxious and that that's because it's an anxious situation is also a valid way oh, to yeah, deal absolutely. with absolutely. Absolutely. It is really hard. It is remembering that the other person on the other side is just you in however many years, ideally. Oh, I like well. that. And yes! They may, may well be nervous. You know, yes. There are people who've done interviews for years who are nervous. And even when you're stressed saying okay, well, I do the thing that I, in awkward situations where I just decide that the if I'm owning the awkwardness, then it's the <laughs> other people that's embarrassed rather than me. Yeah. So it's not on me and I have the power. I like it. So spinning that round and saying like, okay, right, I'm stressed, but actually I might not be as stressed as them. Oh, look at me nailing life. Here's me less stressed than the interviewer. Beth, this is such good sass. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's a lie, just... I was super nervous before your interview. I think you were the first in the day. I was the first yeah, in the day. Yeah, you were the first Ooh. in the day. And I was I was stressed out about it for a week because I knew when the date would be. And I, what, what was expected of me? Nothing. I just had to, okay, yes, read out the question and then listen really hard and make notes. But it's, it is stressful for the interviewer as well because you, if you're a nice person, then most of us are have a responsibility to listen properly and take notes properly mm. and score them properly. If you don't do it very often and conservators often don't because there are never any jobs, <laughs> what you've got to, you, you know, you can't have someone traveling all this way and going through all the stress and then not be fair just because they are interviewing just before lunch or whatever. Yeah. It can be quite stressful. I have noticed that Icon News is has this little like moving on up section every like I think every issue right now. And they tend to be like sort of more seasoned conservators giving advice to you know, like emerging conservators in terms of like oh. um, sort of how to build their careers and stuff. And sometimes they include interview tips. Uh, I think the most recent one might have. That's actually really nice. And uh, Icon News are available for free on the website as well. You don't have to be a member to read them. So, um, th you know, that that's a tip if any of you sort of want to uh, look through that resource, then that might be a good shout. Get more voices than just us. One of the reasons we wanted to do this episode at this time is that it's been a while since we've targeted an episode to the early careers yeah i mean it applies to everyone but yes definitely it applies you, to everyone you're probably going to be bricking it more if you're early career <laughs> exactly and it is so it is harder in so many ways one of them obviously is that you don't have as much experience to talk about whereas a mid-career will be like oh which of my examples shall i discuss yeah, exactly but the other is that you simply don't know what they're going to ask. Like if you've done three interviews before, you've got no idea. You know, you know by Googling it or someone might ask me what are my best qualities or my worst qualities. Someone might ask me about health and safety, but usually you don't know yeah. at all. So perhaps we could talk about 
the kind of things that are asked in museums. Mm. Oh, now we have to actually remember what on earth we were talking about. (laughs) I was just thinking that. Because uh, I don't know if anyone else does this, but after I've survived an interview, I tend to meet, my brain just goes, delete. It does it to exams and stuff like that as well, where it's like, walk out, delete. (laughs) It's safer sometimes. You don't go over it as much. Uh, Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh God, I didn't answer that question. Quite right. I mean, staple ones are going to be things like, give us an example of teamwork. (laughs) When you worked as part of a team, that, that will be a really common one of some description. Yeah. And that can be, you know, in a university project or we've had people as scout leaders before because there's a, when have you Aww. led in a team as uh, well is another, is another one. Fair, yeah. I think bringing in that you can lead and take instruction Ooh. is always good. Yeah. I think that was, I mean, we, so as part of my master's, we actually did a couple of lectures on interview skills, Ooh. Um, which was great. That's really good. Weirdly, also felt like there was slightly more pressure afterwards because it's like, oh, we should know what we're doing now. We've trained in this. Oh, no. Uh, but that's just my own brain. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't the case at all. But yes, yeah, so we had some great feedback from that. So things like even if you've worked with someone before, tell them what you've done because they're not allowed to use that information. Yes. If they know it. Yes. Um, yeah. You have to say if it's not brought up in the interview, they can't mark you on it. All those kind of things. Yeah. Where that was going was that your external experience is really relevant. So yeah. things like the scouting stuff. Yeah. Things like. Yes, absolutely. Your external hobbies if that's part of the, so I'm a historical reenactor on the side and that's how I got into conservation. So that always gets mentioned because otherwise it's just awkward when I've known someone to drop that into conversation mm-hmm. later on. Like sometimes it is direct work questions. Sometimes it is what adhesive did you use in this treatment that you've mentioned in your portfolio? Oh God. Mm-hmm. But yeah. sometimes it's more generic and I've always had really good feedback about when I've said stuff that was not necessarily a conservation treatment but is relevant to your conservation Mm. stuff so projects you've done in other jobs that weren't conservation relevant anything like that bring it in sometimes things are like hyper specific to sort of the museum world in that it'll be like Mm. tell us about your experiences of using collections management systems and then it's just yeah okay Oh, dealing with a difficult situation. Give us an example when you dealt with a difficult situation. Dealt with a disagreement. That's another one. Oh, I had recently, which was a follow-up question, but it was a good one, was I'd mentioned that you and I had ended up working on something together, Chloe, Mm -hmm. but that we approached it slightly differently Mm -hmm. and they wanted to delve into how. And I thought that was a really good, Mm. good one because it really made me question that in a way I hadn't really thought about it and it was technique based mm-hmm. difference mm-hmm. but it was a really good I think judge of my character and my approach to conservation yeah. based on that yeah in terms of how to answer different questions I feel that this is making me think a lot about honesty and just being really down to earth because as an interviewer you want to know how people think mm. and how they respond to situations. And when I, after the last set of interviews I did, I I was very keen to give people proper feedback. And one of the things that really struck me was I don't need an example of everything, but information on how 
somebody works with somebody else Inf- information on like you know the fact that you Beth can you recognize that there's a technique difference and that that might come from different experience or that might come from different sort of hobbies even mm-hmm. for example understanding that things are all connected being able to say well I don't have an example of when I've worked with a conflict but I would do this and I would try and understand this from different points of view, blah, 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 whatever, is much more useful in a way to an interviewer than someone saying, I had someone yell at me once in a gallery yeah. and I said, I'm sorry, please go to the front desk and <laughs> ran away. Like, <laughs> yeah. I quite like um, questions about ethics. Like, oh. Can you give me an example when your ethics were tested or something like that? Like that's quite yeah, a that's yeah. quite a fun oh, I've one. I've not had that one before. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, I like those. How do we feel about interview questions provided in advance of the interview? One thousand percent in favor of. Also, it is considered more fair recruitment practice now. Yes. Yes, as an FYI to anyone out there who's doing HR or recruiting, it is now considered fair recruitment practice <laughs> to send out your questions. In it's accessible. Yes. It's just more accessible. It is, exactly. It is more kind to people of all sorts of neurodiversity. And like it's it's just a it's just a better experience for everyone involved. Yeah. I think it's one of those so again, the interview I did for the job here was my first conservation interview post training. And I was terrified by having the interview questions. No! Oh, interesting. Oh. which was entirely (laughs) in opposition to my course mate who also applied for this job who loved it and I was like no but now our answers have to be polished and I need to know what I'm supposed to say no and then I prepared them all and I said totally different things than what I'd written down in preparation and it was fine I got the job Um, (laughs) but also then having since done other interviews where I didn't have the questions it's the my brain going it's the worst Whatever it is, is the worst thing ever. Since then, I'm like, why don't I have the questions? I don't know what they're going to say. Basically, what I'm saying is either direction, you'll be fine. And you'll be terrified. And you'll be terrified. (laughs) No, that's true. I mean, it's not not going to make you not terrified at the interview. That's not how it works. But it is uh, making it more fair and accessible. That's the point. It's vastly Mm. more accessible. Yes. So uh, it is good. And if you're listening and you're not doing that, get on it, do it. (laughs) Even if you have to rewrite an HR policy for it, do it. Like that's, it's literally what we're supposed to be doing. (laughs) Yeah. And it protects so much against the brain blank thing. Yes. That is a thing that everyone experiences. Yes, absolutely. But if you're dyslexic, for example, Mm. dyspraxic, if you have any of the other neurodiversities, it could be something that is yeah a, a real thing in absolutely. stressful situations absolutely. or even just processing all of that information in your head and i would say that the type of work that because I, I have come across like sort of maybe the old god in museums in general have sort of been a good phrase very uh hesitant about this change like well why you're supposed to be able to gauge what they're like under pressure how high pressure is your conservation environment honestly <laughs> if it's so high pressure that you need to be right? like an er doctor level of resilient to stress you're doing it wrong exactly <laughs> that's not right at all like no. At no point does that actually 
show you anything useful, I would say. Because yes, we'll all have stressful days in the galleries or when something is actively on fire or leaking or something. But that's not the bit where you answer questions uh, about uh, your no. past experience <laughs> in conservation anyway. So it makes no sense as a stress test. Don't stress test your conservatives. That's terrible. Exactly. And how are you in that in a stressful situation supposed to be yourself? Because I feel like that's the main thing that people say. Just go and be yourself. You can't be yourself. Well, it's trying to get a judge of your character, isn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day. That's the thing we're taking from this most, is that yeah. they're trying in an interview, <laughs> someone's trying to gauge what you would be like to work with. Yes. And that whether they would like to work with you yeah. at the end of it or yeah. Absolutely. And and whilst I'm entirely on board with the fact that you probably want someone who's good in, say, an emergency or something like that, we shouldn't really be trying to simulate that in an interview, should we? Like, <laughs> really, we should be simulating the everyday, the day to day, the bit where you're both doing the boring exactly. beige work that yeah. you have to get yeah. done. And like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I ju- if you were actually defending not giving the questions out beforehand because you think people should be stressed for an interview, I would very much like you to come and explain yourself to me personally because I would love to hear your reasoning. Because why? Yeah. Just why? Absolutely. I think it implies there's only one version of being under pressure. Yes. And the reality is that our work is so diverse that and every person is different. So yes. how we handle that is different. How we think about that and approach that is different. So saying there's one right way to do interviews exactly it's just so what exactly yeah. it's really weird i have to say i've never had a conservation interview where i've had the questions beforehand that has never happened oh. um okay but i have had other me neither in fairness i've just done one well done by the way for doing that uh, also well done Beth. <laughs> But uh, I did recently have an interview for a freelance job, which did send the interviews in advance, uh, sort of the interview questions in advance. And it was such a relief. It was amazing to just mm. have that beforehand. Yeah. They were really good at sort of the inclusivity of recruitment. So, and it was it was surprisingly chill. Everyone introduced themselves. Everyone was nice. Everyone said their pronouns. Everyone really excellent. Everyone did a visual description of themselves in case, uh, you know, the, the, the person they were interviewing uh, needed that extra bit of accessibility. Yes. I loved everything wow. about it. It was brilliant. Uh, I was like, this is what recruitment should be like, guys. <laughs> yeah. This is it. This yeah. is what it's like. This that's is what fantastic. it should be. Uh, so, you know, that's that's something to take on board. But yeah, I was still a bit nervous, but not, nowhere near the sort of tsunami of nervousness that's normally associated mm. with interviews. So it certainly helped me. So we did ask our friends on Twitter, uh, what do you do when your mind goes blank in an interview? And we asked, what do they do to sort of unstick themselves when that happens? And uh, Hannah said, repeating the question back out loud can help. Don't be afraid of silence. Take a breath and a moment. I've given non-conservation examples before where I couldn't think of a directly related experience. Yes, that is what we've been saying, isn't it? That mm-hmm. it's yeah. not, yeah. it doesn't yeah. have to be conservation related. As long as it's an example of the thing that they're asking for, that is plenty. So it could be team teamwork or leadership. That could be from sports clubs or external committees. Yes, exactly. Someone else actually says that I write down the question or do bullet points so I can refer Ooh. back to for multi-part mm. questions. That's a good point. Yes. God, I hate a multi-part question. <laughs> yeah. I think I have a sort of nervous tick almost that I have a tendency because I just wander off in my brain when speaking anyway, that I will often ask 
if I answered the question at the end of my answer. I do that too, yeah. And I found that really helpful because at least then I feel like, because you don't do the beating yourself up afterwards of, oh, I didn't even say what they needed me to say. Yeah, because you sort of give them a chance to respond to you, which is good. That's that's a good shout. Definitely do feel free to do that because often they really want you to answer the question because that's how they can score exactly. you. So they will give you sort of a second chance. Like, could you maybe answer this a bit more detail or... You sort of yeah. forgot to bring in this bit. Could you do that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just like giving a talk. People are sitting there wanting you to do well. Ashley says, uh, I will say I candid. My interview nerves have gotten the better of me at the moment. Can we please come back to that question? Uh, usually they rephrase the question and we can go from there. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, Joanne says, flick through your portfolio looking for an example until you find something that fits. Ooh, I like it. Mm. I have done that before. I use it as a as a brain jogging thing or, oh, that question vaguely relates to working with contractors. Let me turn to the section of working in contractors with my, yeah, yeah, in yeah. my portfolio. And, oh, yeah, there I am doing this specific thing that I can now talk about yeah. because I've seen it. Uh, Joanne also says, if interviewed on Zoom, have multiple notes laid out around your computer to use as prompts. I quite like that. You can have post-it notes around your screen or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like a crazy detective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> crazy <something>. wall. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the vibe I go for. <laughs> Uh, Emma Jane says, ask for questions in advance or at least prompts or themes of questions. That's that's quite good if Ooh, they won't give you the questions yeah. in advance. Mm. Uh, prepare with the most commonly asked questions. Uh, write them down in bullet points. Refer to them if needed. Write down the question as it's asked. Take your time and remember to breathe. Yes, those are very good ideas. So, yeah, I like mm -hmm. the how many people say take notes. I don't think I've ever been with it enough in an interview to actually be able to write anything down. <laughs> Like if I'm the one being interviewed, I think I'm too scared mm. to scribble anything. I probably get too paranoid about eye contact to do that. But yeah, same. I'm a bit weird about eye contact. As in, if I think I'm doing it too much, I then get distracted and can't think about anything else. Yeah. Everyone always says that you should maintain eye contact. We can't do it too much because then it's weird. It's <laughs> exactly creepy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not a challenge. Um, so there are different types of interview, but we in the UK tend to have, in conservation, tend to have the 45-minute long conversation and then potentially in advance or after or, in fact, during looking at an object as the practical session. Mm, yes. What kind of practical sessions have we had? I mean, sometimes I've been shocked by not having a practical session because then I'm always Ooh. like, what's happening now? Have they forgotten this? <laughs> or <laughs> was I so bad that they didn't give me the practical? You know, like, I'll, I'll be really paranoid. <laughs> it hasn't happened very often. It's definitely mostly you do get the practical side for sure. Um, I've done repacking a drawer. Mm, we did that same interview. Yes, exactly. Um, I've had do a condition report and a little sketch of some broken pottery mm -hmm. yep. yeah 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 done that as well i think just removing something from a box and putting it on a plinth i've done that oh yeah it's sort of object handling yeah handle things in front of people oh i hate that i think that might be my very worst thing they do tend to be variations of those things i feel packing is common yeah packing is definitely common note writing yeah I think I've had one where it's just like, if you could assess the 10 agents of deterioration for this one thing. Oh, oh. Like, so you also have to remember the 10 agents uh, and then also yeah. write out how 
one object is affected by each one of them. I've had that. Okay. My favorite is look at this object and tell me what you do. Oh, yeah. Because it's so broad as a question and you get to just chat. I mean, this was one of these situations where normally I'm a note taker and I was given, you know, a pencil and, you know, some time to write stuff down. And I was like, actually, I just want to talk to you about it and I will just talk to you about Mm the object and what I would need to consider. And this was for the job I'm currently in, not having textiles conservation specialism, but knowing about, you know, materials and display and having that, just those sorts of things, thoughts bopping around in your head. We just had a really nice chat and it was really good. I feel like my practical session I gave you was a little bit tricky. Well, I think, so we did the same as that, didn't we? It was, what would you tell me what you're looking at and what you would do? Yeah. And I think in a way that works well because it the object was severely damaged. Um, <laughs> apparently every one of us laughed in response to that question. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a beautiful unifying moment of all of the conservators that I interviewed that tell day. Me what's like, wrong with what this? The f- <laughs> you giving me to look at? This is insane. This is in two million pieces. Everything is wrong with this. But actually. I think the reason that works well is because you know, as the person being interviewed, that they're giving you an opportunity to show your workings. Yeah. That it's more interesting how you're thinking about this. Mm. So we're all trying to do the reflective practice thing. So you're thinking that at the time and actually that that was really useful. And it, I think that was why of the things I've been asked to do, I like that the best. Yes. Top marks. Thanks. Uh, Thank you. Because it shows how you would actually work as a conservator mm, yeah, rather than yeah. the polished version. It's the how would you be thinking about this and how would you talk to your colleagues about this, even if it's something you're not working with together? It's that conversation that helps you come to your treatment decisions. Exactly. So it's acknowledging that and the role of other people and their judgment and that you are comfortable enough in your own judgment that you can say, Oh, what do you think about this? Mm. Or how would you approach that? Okay, I think it's this way. Do you agree? In a way mm-hmm. that shows more strength of your own yeah. abilities, I guess. Yeah. And the the I might not know how to consolidate yeah. this with what. But what but do I know? I Where do should, know exactly. Yeah. I do know that it does need to be done unless it will have internal supports or something, whatever. Yeah. And I'd also encourage anyone to start by asking questions in that situation like oh so how is this going to be displayed is this for the museum or an external client how much do they want to do is this going to be like how long is this going to be on display for do they have you know lighting controls and do they know what that's going to be and all of that asking can get your brain going as well and then they know the interviewer knows that you know what you need to ask about because in those questions that's display conditions and stakeholder requirements and you know environmental conditions and all of that i really like that has anyone had a interview that didn't follow that format yeah so i've done presentations now i've done one uh, yeah they gave me the perfect question so i normally would have hated it but i was so pleased but i've also seen that from other people so colleagues of mine who've had presentations which have been really what i would consider over the top (laughs) Um, and really long 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 interviews Um, so not UK based but ridiculously long interviews and I think 
I did a 10 minute presentation. I think that seems reasonable. I think half an hour is a lot to expect from someone. <gasps> yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what I would say there is I have seen other, let's say, culture workers, to make it a bit broader, mm. uh, flag mm. up that the amount of unpaid labor that goes into, oh, we'd like you to do a half hour presentation or a 20 minute presentation as part of your interview is insane. It is unpaid labor. It is not okay. And often it's to get, you know, sort of, well, in some sectors, it's about getting ideas from people without paying for them and basically just getting mm. work for free, which is not okay. And it should not be used as part of an interview process at all. So these are interesting things. And it's not always the case when someone asks you to do a presentation that it's necessarily about wanting free ideas or stuff like that. But it uh, isn't something I would be in favour of. Uh, I have had to do them in the past, but only rarely. And as someone who doesn't like public speaking to begin with, I do not like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's a difficult one because in that sense, so that was one where I didn't get questions in advance. So it felt like I had a thing to guard me in a way mm. um, oh, okay. that I knew where I was going with that. And that actually it was a thing that I was surprised that that institution was having as their main focus in this conversation. So it made me think a bit more about what they wanted from someone they were potentially mm. hiring as well. So it was good in that sense. But yeah, I think the context in which I'm thinking about also the interview panel was very intense and it, it did feel like it was more of a way to have a free conference than an interview situation, yeah. which is not the case, I, I would say, in most circumstances. So if anyone's nervous about that, that was, <laughs> you know, mostly mostly it's three people talking to you yeah. Yeah. in a room or on a Zoom screen or whatever. It's not. That's an interesting thing to think about, like how many people are generally on a panel. And I think three is a pretty good number, a common number. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, have I ever had, I think I've definitely had ones where they go up to four or five at some point. But, oh, but gosh, not more than that's that. A lot. I have had people say like six people interview panels and I'm like, why? Who needs to know these things? How do yeah. they come to any decisions? I, know, right. I have done a group interview once or a, an interview day. I was not entirely prepared for that because they weren't oh, very good at communicating gosh. this beforehand. Was that heritage? Yes. Oh, I've only done that for retail. Suddenly we all stood in a big lump and it was like, are we all here for interviews? Are they doing them simultaneously? Are they doing them in, like in parallel? Are they, are we all just here at the wrong time? What's happening now? Has there been some sort of Shit. scheduling issue? And then it was like, no, it's a group interview. What? <laughs> it's sort of group exercises. And then you sort of got split into slightly smaller groups for some of the exercises. And then others, you were just in a big lump. And, and then at the very oh, end, you got like a couple of minutes with, one interviewer like where it was like speed dating at the very end where it was like and here are a couple of bam bam questions at that point I was so checked out from this experience that I was like I'm <laughs> so not interested in this job anymore yeah it was how many people attended oh how many interviewees were there I think there will have been at least 10 of us maybe more wow like, that is that is a lot of people to interview yeah it was a big lump of people it was weird. So always, always try to communicate really well, guys, with with people you invite mm, for interview. With your interviewees, yeah. yeah. And and also, you know, like what the format of the day looks like. Maybe don't assume mm -hmm. that people will know what the interview day looks like, just because we're saying that you know, like the sort of forty five minutes and some object handling might be the the sort of standard thing. Don't assume that people think that. Always try to communicate yeah. with people and manage their expectations. Exactly. Uh, and definitely don't give them an unexpected full day of group interviews. <laughs> <laughs> 
my worst type of interview I've ever done. So this isn't the worst performance I've ever had at an interview because that's a different story. I feel like that's not the place for now. (laughs) (laughs) We're probably already talking about it as well. Was perfectly fine condition report practical session and then normal interview and then role play. Role play? It was (laughs) horrible. It, I, I mean, I, I, didn't, I don't think I did very badly. So the scenario rang some alarm bells because it was the scenario was basically dealing with a disgruntled volunteer okay. about a decision that needed to be made. Uh-huh. And it was it was just so off putting <laughs> because it was this like 20 year old, very slight blonde woman reading out the part of a 65 year old man. (laughs) And you were supposed to be able to think in this situation and respond. And also in advance, read out, read the scenario. And you were given some time to read the scenario. And as a dyslexic person, I did understand it, but I I felt like my comprehension, I was just like, so wait, has this, is the, in the scenario, has this thing happened or is it going to happen? Is, is everything safe? Uh, am I getting distracted by the wrong thing? What's the point that I'm supposed to be? Because you can't read situations like that. Nothing about the situation seems accessibility proved in any way. <laughs> no, it felt like it didn't work for any of my various random range of neurodiversity at all. I don't feel that it worked. Maybe for other people, for HR, is that a normal thing to be to to be asked? For? I mean, I've, I've never actually heard of this, but if you have an insight into this, I'd love to hear it. And also, if you've experienced any other unusual or maybe common for where you are in the world sort of interview scenarios, then I'd love to hear about them because. Yeah, basically tweet us because <laughs> I'm super curious what goes on in other parts of the world if that sort of the that sort of thing is more common or if you do something else entirely. Oh, while well, we're doing worse, my <laughs> my again not my worst. It was a good interview. It was well handled, but it's representative of the time we're in. Is that I've done half and half in person and online, oh. and I hate both, but for different reasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> In person, I feel like I can charm you into loving me. And that's harder over a camera. And the worst was the failure of the tech. Um, And being aware of, you know that other people are forgiving of that, but you also know that they've allowed a certain amount of time in their day. And everyone uses different software for things. If everyone could pick Zoom or Teams or WebEx, that would be great. I'll do one. But it's that point. And also, actually, I would say as an emerging professional who's lived in places with really cheap Wi-Fi and or really thick walls and or the the Wi-Fi thing doesn't always work. And the pressure of having to be visible on camera in a way that looks professional is stressful. All of my interview outfits don't look good on camera. They look great in real life, (laughs) but it's that panic of, oh gosh, this has taken me 20 minutes to do the, can you hear me? Can I hear Mm, you? Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Is painful. It is definitely one of the slightly more, I'm looking for a word that's maybe classist, is that you're 
sort of demanding that people's backdrops are the sort of, you know, <laughs> I remember at the start of the pandemic, you know, when people were sort of told that, oh, um, bookshops with rare books, that people are buying like books by the meter because they want their backdrop oh, yes. to look really good. So people were installing bookshelves behind them with like old leather bound books so they could look really professional in their home offices and that sort of thing. Yeah. And like that, that sort of set the tone for me for like what our weird expectations are in terms yeah. of <laughs> what we're doing it's just the background background of a zoom call guys like calm down yeah uh, like there's one angle in my entire house there's one specific <laughs> where i can get the wi-fi to work and it's aimed at exactly yeah 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 the wallpaper we haven't replaced yet isn't in shot because it is peeling <laughs> and held on with sellotape from when we moved in 12 years ago or more <laughs> yeah 16 years ago like it's but there's this yeah. yeah there's definitely this weird classist thing of like what's supposed to look a certain way or like we all have to dress up our homes to look a certain way and that's not yeah not only is it not true it's a ludicrous expectation and mm -hmm. I just want to say that I've done like international panels with my like toy crocodiles in the background and laundry <laughs> and like that's I, that's perfectly fine guys like <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough don't try not to give a shit about what your room looks like behind you like they I none of us have enough time for this like and i think this has been slightly alarming thing when i have been interviewed by people i've always felt like the underdog because i've always been the one who's like in a room full of laundry as opposed to mm. in a big swanky office like or a yeah. home office or like someone's little like chateau somewhere where they're just like <laughs> chilling out whilst they're doing their interviews and i'm like okay None of this is filling me with hope that I want to work for this organization, guys. No offense. Yeah. But it's just, it becomes, you become so unrelatable as a, a person mm -hmm. maybe doing the interviews if you're like mm -hmm. sort of showing off your wealth yeah. in that immediate shot. I would much rather have you in your kitchen with your small child running berserk in the background. That's fine. I don't yep. care if you have to be unmuted yeah. during the entire if thing. If pets turn up, then that's yes, preferable. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, it's surprising to me how off-putting it is to see people's sort of extreme wealth in the background mm. because I don't mm. come from that background. And it just re-emphasizes to me that you don't probably don't think I belong here. And right now I don't feel like I belong here because this is your background yeah. and here's mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it, it is a thing to think about and maybe address mm -hmm. a little bit that actually... Don't mm -hmm. feel bad about your peeling wallpaper because if anything, I want to see more peeling wallpaper and less of your extreme wealth, guys. <laughs> I mean, all of that being said as well, in terms of accessibility of actually getting somewhere, oh, yeah. it does change it massively. It does. You yeah, know, the, the buffering Wi-Fi thing is a cost issue, but it's still not having to buy a train ticket yeah. and not having to drive for six hours if you yeah. have a car or find the money for petrol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is absolutely a game changer and I am here for it. Uh, so it is it is interesting that both have their obvious drawbacks, but also obvious mm. perks as well. Like it is good. Very grateful that I don't have to travel long distances to mm. have the, <laughs> for the privilege to be asked questions under duress. <laughs> <laughs> and then not get the yeah. job. And then yeah. not get the job. Yeah. So yes, I am also grateful for that. So uh, yeah, <laughs> interviews are a real mixed bag. <laughs>
so another question that we asked on Twitter was um, basically, what do you do after the interview? Do you follow up? Mm. How do you unwind? How do you deal with the weight? And uh, Jen said, I'd follow up with a thank you and a checkup maybe a week or so later, just to banish it from my thoughts, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah. I don't know that I have ever followed up on an interview in that sense, because I know that in a lot of other industries, it's seen as a real thing that you must do. Like you have to sort Mm. of, some people get really weird about it, like sending a thank you message afterwards and being like, and I'm like, I'm really not that grateful (laughs) for the stress. Um, (laughs) And it's your job to interview me. So I'm not really sure why you need all these thank yous. It's not necessarily in the heritage industry, just other industries that are a little Mm. bit weird about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Mm." That seems a bit toxic to me, but that's fine. But I have definitely poked people when it's been like three weeks and there have, there's been no announcement, if you see what I mean, like no one's been hired. Then I've definitely have asked like, so... Not hearing back at all is bullshit. It is, it is bullshit. That's true. And sometimes it's just been we ended up not recruiting anyone for carnage in the background noises, you know, like sirens in the distance. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I see. <laughs> and then, then you don't feel so bad because then it isn't. You were all shit. It was... <laughs> Unexpected circumstances have happened. Are you guys follow-uppers? It's never occurred to me to say thank you. Me neither. I don't, I don't encourage that behavior. <laughs> I have been advised to follow up. Okay. And I haven't. Did a time scale come with that advice? Um, It was sort of like the end of the day or the following day say, thank you very much for your time. It was great to see you. It was great to meet you. No. And it was great to see the museum. Like that, and it doesn't need to be. Oh, I was so dreadfully grateful for your time. Blah blah blah. But it's. I guess as someone who has actually done interviews, that would literally not sway me in any shape, way, or form because it doesn't matter. What it makes me feel pushy, which is why I haven't yeah. done it. Like you've got to decide now, and it's not going to be changed by whether or not I've sent an email saying thank you. Because, like, aside from the the feeling a bit weird about sending such a message, is that. Mm as the person recruiting, it wouldn't impact anything at all because it's about the scoring. I think in the context of following up when you haven't heard anything, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. But I would generally say it was nice to meet them at the end of the interview. And then I would consider that the mic drop, we're done now. Yeah, yeah. As long as you don't like peace out and like flip the table on your way out. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I feel like you're probably fine. Zoe says, a colleague introduced me to the concept of a trauma treat in the case of job interviews. After all the work and stress of a potentially failed interview, you're allowed to treat yourself to something that you really want. For me, this is manifested in a large collection of Birkenstocks. I love that. Yes. Zoe, that's excellent. I mean, I would go for food. Same. I would go for, you are, you can now get yourself a really dirty burger or like you can have an entire pizza now that kind of treat so it's the takeaway type situation now you don't have to do any washing up and it can be so full of salt finally we have lucy who says i always try to write down the questions they've asked me very good and then treat myself to a nice meal if the interview doesn't go well at least i can say i've had something yummy yeah i have in the past at least written down the questions as a way of okay so you have now got another load of questions to put in the bag for future Because unfortunately, sometimes you can't always guarantee that you'll get good feedback. Yeah. Once I'm told that I haven't been successful, I will probably reply with, is there any possibility of feedback to improve for next time sort of thing? I've had a lot of success on Chloe's prompting with asking really specific questions in feedback. Because 
if you're just generically asking for feedback, that's an overwhelming thing to do. And people just say, oh, you were very nice, but we went with someone else who had more experience. Yeah. Well, of course you did. <laughs> I, I trained a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got more experience. That's a really good shout. You know, is there anything I could improve in my portfolio specifically or in how I spoke about what I did or in my presentation, whatever it was, that then people could really easily answer the email so they were more likely to, I think. That is a great idea. Thanks. <laughs> You're both welcome. <laughs> Uh, I think it's worth saying at this point that if you have interviewed people, you owe them feedback. Yes. Even if the feedback is, I'm really sorry, but somebody else scored more highly than you, you were second on the list, and the extra score was a buzzword. Or even, and most difficult, and I've never had to give this kind of feedback before, if this person was awful, you do owe them being told that in the nicest way otherwise they don't know give the hard feedback and if you're an interviewer interviewee take the hard feedback and think about it and if you ask the feedback it's probably not going to be difficult it's just the answer will be various shapes of someone was better than you here's how to improve yeah because that's the thing like none, none of us are done we can all do with improvements that's the thing that ultimately includes the person who got the job as well so you know like <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah it is a numbers game it is a numbers game but you can totally do it and hopefully you've gotten something useful out of this uh in terms of thinking about some of the ways to approach nervousness or how to think about the questions or how to stall for time <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, do, do we have any sort of final uh, pro tips for getting through an interview? And uh, What do you think, guys? As an early career, what would you say? I guess it's what I've already said, but then it it is that, remember, it's just ultimately a few people in a room having a chat. Yeah. Mm. Like, take a deep breath. And I felt so much more confident in my own ability to present, seeing other people be scared and knowing that everyone else will be as scared as you. So that's okay. Mm. You're allowed to be scared. I think that's the biggest thing, knowing it and acknowledging it mm -hmm. and doing it anyway. Yeah. I think mine would be interviewers want to know you as a person and want to know how you think. And you might have loads of fantastic experience, but just listing the adhesives that you've used isn't going to tell anybody how you would approach another situation in the future or how you would you know tackle something that's fallen over in a gallery or whatever it is it's good to use the portfolio but it's also nice to just hear someone chatting about what they do and how they think yeah absolutely again it's coming down to raw people just talking about yeah, things that exactly. we enjoy <laughs> Yeah. And we're all colleagues as well at the end of the day. Yeah. We're we're part of a community and we are <laughs> is this too cheesy? Uh lean in. We're all friends. <laughs> so yeah, we just want to know in what way we're friends. <laughs> is that really trite? <laughs> I guess my pro tip is if they don't send you the questions in advance, ask for them. <laughs> Technically, yeah, technically, let's have that as your project. Really they shouldn't one. be withholding them. So actually, <laughs> you might you yeah. might just be making them rethink their practices if you do ask for them. Because yeah. actually, yeah. 
good practice is to they share their questions beforehand. So ask. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. As usual, we welcome your comments, questions and corrections. And we haven't done one of these in a while, have we, Chloe? <laughs> it's been a while. Is that because we have answered things to people directly or is it because we haven't had any corrections? No, we've done nothing wrong. People are super nice to us all of the time Aww. and they don't let us know when we screw up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is pretty adorable um so yeah mostly people don't have complaints and sometimes something is so hyper specific when people write in that we just reply directly to them mm. because that sort of makes yeah, more yeah. sense yeah. but this one is it's really nice and this is from uh josiah and he says i'm listening to your career changes episode as i'm writing this Aww. i am a private practice conservator working on all sorts of objects in my little workshop in carlisle pa that's uh is that pennsylvania um i'm so bad at states I could Google it. Hang on. P.A. Pennsylvania. Nailed it. Well done. <laughs> I apologize profusely to any American listeners. Uh, <laughs> this, this is me all of the time. I, I know very few states. I'm trying to think of the states that I do know. CEO is for Colorado. Um, MD is for Maryland. I don't know a lot of them. <laughs> TX is obviously for Texas. <laughs> um <laughs> Some of the others I'm really hazy on, guys. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, conservation was my first choice, but I came to it after many years as a forest firefighter in Western US. What? That's a career That's change, true. is it not? In short, I discovered conservation about halfway through my senior year of undergrad as a history major. I had wanted to study history, but I wasn't sure what I was going to do with history. I had a vague idea about maybe being a high school history teacher, but then I heard about this cool field called art conservation where mm -hmm. you actually got to handle all of the cool historical mm -hmm. artifacts and museums. Yeah. Having been a history major for the first three and a half years of my undergrad, I was very short on the chemistry and studio art credits that I needed to apply for conservation grad oh, school. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Common. So I started doing those credits at a local community college in the winter. Oh, in summers, however, I was working at the forest uh, service, uh, fighting fires all over the West. That this sounds like a dramatic backstory. It does, doesn't it? I love it. I'd been doing that all through college already. Uh, I love fighting fires, even though I knew I was working toward a conservation career. I wasn't really in a big hurry. I spent about 10 years as a firefighter before eventually going to conservation grad school. I worked in a couple of museums. Yeah, I got a job with a private, a private practice object conservator for a few years. Eventually, I decided to start my own conservation workshop and now I have a small but growing client list of private collectors and museums. And I've gotten back into my firefighting interest as a volunteer in my local fire department. I love love it this person is a gem oh i know right <laughs> fantastic story of a career switch over there that's amazing i absolutely love it so good thank you so much for sharing that uh i'm sorry it's long overdue that i actually read that that one out but i just really want to share it with the world because i loved it and i hope that more people can tell us about their career changes because that's an amazing backstory. And it sounds like maybe a superhero origin story <laughs> of some description. It does, doesn't it? It's like the sort of... It's between that or like a really romantic book <laughs> oh my about God. conservators. <gasps> He's also a firefighter. God, I'm so sorry, Josiah. Uh, no, <laughs> I've definitely made this we, weird. No. <laughs> uh, that, this, is, this is definitely a writing prompt if I've ever heard yeah. one. <laughs> Please do let us know what other unusual backstories you'll have. Yes, please. It's great. I love it. Yeah. It's great. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. And definitely do get in touch with us uh, if there's anything we've gotten wrong or, you know, like anything like that. Gentle slaps on the wrist we're here for. Yeah. Re-education we're here for. Other points of view we're here for. If you're enjoying The C Word and would like to support our work, then please consider becoming one of our patrons. For as little as $1 per month, you can help us keep our episodes online and more of them coming. Patreon helps us meet our regular costs for the show, and also to plan ahead so we know roughly how much of a monthly budget we've got. That's super helpful when you're trying to do something special like buy a better microphone or save up to go to a special event. Your support also helps keep us free of advertisements. In return, our supporters get access to our archive of extended episodes, which you can only access on our Patreon page. Yeah, for that $1 a month, you get a little extra audio enjoyment. We've crunched the numbers, and it's about 10% extra content on a regular basis. That's not bad for less than a cup of coffee, eh? If supporting us sounds like something you'd like to do, then head over to patreon.com slash the C word and join our bunch of absolute champions. And a warm welcome to our latest patron, Charlotte. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, especially in these slightly tricky times. Thanks for listening. We're Seaward, and you'll be listening to Chloe Ramsey, Beth Gillians, and me, Jenna Mathiason. Join us next time for an episode about the cost of living crisis. In the meantime, you can check out our website at theseaward.show, tweet us at the Seaward Podcast, or simply email us on theseawardpodcast at gmail.com. The intro and outro music is Spring by Didi Missick, used under a Creative Commons attribution license with additional music and sound effects by Callum Robertson. This has been a Wooden Dice production. Um, should I try to pretend that I remember how to do the intro after a break in the season? Yeah, nice. Okay. Have you still got it written down? I mean, somewhere, but it's certainly not anywhere. <laughs> certainly not anywhere that's useful to me. It's in our yeah, archives yeah. now. Uh, it's more likely just tossed around the room here somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? This room is a catastrophe. I'm glad you can't see the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the Easter egg at the end. You know what? It might be.